very much. We knew we could trust you to get all those difficult uh, names right. That's great. I'm going to invite Becky to join me. Becky's had a, a busy day being up in St. Anne's and cooked lunch for all of the students. So I'm going to pray that she has the energy for, for the sermon tonight. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Becky, for all, all your work in feeding these poor, hungry students that we have here. So I'm just going to pray for you as you bring God's word to us this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you for Becky. We thank you for her many gifts. And we just pray now that you'll anoint her with your Holy Spirit. And help us now as we listen, that you will open our hearts, open our minds to receive what it is that you want to say to us this evening. So speak to us through your word and through Becky. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So I think there's going to be um, a couple of pictures coming up on the screen. Back in 2016, um, when I was at Theological College, I had the real privilege um, of going to Israel. Um, I was sort of sent on a bit of a scholarship um, tour, and we got to see the wilderness. And so I just thought I'd share a couple of pictures with you, um, because I'm not sure I'd ever thought of the wilderness looking like that. The thing that really struck me um, when I was out there is we were, um, I think it was the day we were driving um, to the wilderness, we were on a coach, um, and the person who was leading um, the tour, Greg, he was the dean at the college we were staying at, um, he started reading from Psalm 23. Um, And I think in my head, until I'd been here, um, not necessarily the wilderness, but Psalm 23, um, I think of kind of lush green grass because I live in Wales and rain isn't something that we are short of let's be honest and then it struck me that actually the sort of context that was being spoken about was more like this and so I think when we think about the wilderness we're not thinking about Psalm 23 don't worry Mal you did read those names for a good reason I think it's just helpful to sort of think about what we are looking at whereabouts John was. At the beginning of um, chapter three of Luke, we get that detailed introduction of who is who and who is doing what at that given time. Luke is really grounding what he's about to say firmly in a specific time and a specific place in history. They were under Roman occupation and that Roman occupation for many people meant oppression and misery. Things were not a barrel of laughs. It was, on one hand, the epitome of civilization, apparently, and yet for some, it sort of resulted in commonplace kind of crucifixions. It was not a fun place to be for everyone. And Luke is keen for us to know how things were. He gives us those dates, those names, so that we know what was going on at the time. And it was at the time that the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. The same John the Baptist that we heard about earlier in Luke, before he was born. He was born to parents who couldn't have a child until God stepped in. He's the son of Zechariah. We're told that. We're told exactly who he was. And of course, Elizabeth too. And so there is history here. And We have that um, amazing kind of, not quite hindsight, but we have the Bible as we know it. So immediately, we can join up the dots. 
And no, no doubt some people would have been able to do that at the time as well. Because there would have been enough people around who knew what had been said around the time of his birth. What had happened with Zechariah when he couldn't speak because he hadn't sort of believed what God had said immediately. Back in Luke chapter 1 verse 16 says about John, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And it goes on into verse 17 to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the same John the Baptist of the unusual clothing and the unusual eating habits. Camel hair, locusts, honey. You probably are aware of the score. He is a bit quirky. And he's out in the wilderness. We don't know why he's there. The wilderness, as you saw in those photos, it's not the most hospitable place. It's not somewhere you kind of go for a day at the seaside. We don't know whether he's fleeing persecution. He might have been. He might just have had enough of Roman rule and occupation. From what I've kind of seen of it, that seems like a fair enough reason to kind of go for a little trip out into the wilderness. We don't know. But John the Baptist has got a message. He's the forerunner to someone who is God himself. And John the Baptist is preparing the way for God. So that word of God coming to John the Baptist in the wilderness. It's one of those words that um, in my head I kind of get that picture and it takes me back to Israel when I think about it. But I thought it was worth checking what it actually kind of means rather than me just going off on a slight tangent. And so um, the Cambridge Dictionary, it was one I came across online. An uncultivated, uninhabited and inhospitable region. There's not much that grows there. It's going to be very hot or very cold, depending on the time of the year. There's not much water. There's not much shade. There's not much shelter. It's not a comfortable place to be. And yet that's where John the Baptist was when he got the word from God. He was available when he was there. Presumably there were very few distractions. And in his preaching, John the Baptist is fulfilling a prophecy in Isaiah. Luke quotes those words from Isaiah. And the first hearers of Luke's account of the gospel, the Jews, they'd been waiting for a Messiah. Some would have been expecting someone to fulfill this prophecy. Again, there might have been some people who could even join up the dots kind of before it kind of happened and think, oh, we're waiting for somebody to do this. Luke is rooting the message of John the Baptist in what people knew and were expecting because the Jews knew their scripture. And I think it's really helpful for us to think about that in terms of rooting things in what we know. John the Baptist's message was challenging everybody. So it's not a comfortable, safe, there, there message. I'm not talking about comfortable and familiar in that way. But people would have been aware of scripture. They've got a starting point for acceptance, that kind of familiarity. Perhaps you've ended up here in church because you've been to a church before. Perhaps you've been brought with somebody who you know. I think it's just worth us thinking about that helpfulness of familiarity. A place where perhaps we're in a, in a place where we 
can hear things in a different way. And then John is preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The Jews, when they heard this, they would have been aware of what baptism was. It wasn't unusual. It wasn't something completely out of the blue. It was a powerful sign of renewal for them, just as it is for us now. It would have been connected for them with deliverance when they escaped, when their ancestors escaped from Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea. That kind of being cleansed and delivered by water. But baptism was also part of a ritual if you were not a Jew, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to convert to Judaism. You needed to be baptised it was that way that you could go from not being Jewish to being Jewish. So John, by summoning Israel to baptism, is making a huge point. Because those Jews wouldn't have expected to need to be baptised. That was for other people. That was for Gentiles. That was for people who didn't know God but they were Jews. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had a really um, deep emphasis on tradition in Luke's account of the good news. Luke's account of the gospel. But what John the Baptist is bringing in, what he's saying is very, very different. This is not based on tradition. This is heart stuff. He's calling his hearers to repent, to make a change, and be baptised, to show other people what they've done. That repentance, to literally turn away from where they were headed, and instead turn in the opposite direction towards God. And to mark that change of heart by being baptised. And a result of that is forgiveness of sins. There are huge consequences to accepting John the Baptist's message and there are huge consequences of not accepting this message. And John the Baptist wasn't expecting the sort of, yeah, okay then, whatever. Yeah, that sounds fine, I'll go jump in a river. He's not talking about that kind of response. He's talking about a response that bears fruit. Fruit in keeping with the repentance. You might have heard me speaking about the fruit of the spirit months back and making that point that actually we've got an apple tree in the vicarage garden and I don't expect to look out the window one day and see oranges growing on it because it's not an orange tree. A tree bears the fruit of the plant and if we are living transformed lives then the fruit is in keeping with repentance. It's not something merely based in tradition, but in relationship with God. John the Baptist's message was hard-hitting for the first hearers. And it's hard-hitting for us now. This is not something that we can just read and think, oh yeah, that's nice. It's something that requires a decision. Whether we've made it already, it reminds us of what we've decided, whether it's something that we haven't thought about, 
that we might need to think about and make a decision. But despite the message being really hard-hitting, people were drawn to hear what John had to say. He was in those country areas out and around the Jordan River, the areas where people could um, sustain life. Plenty of people around, but not in the busyness of Jerusalem. So today, what does it mean for us? We're not hearing from John in the wilderness. We're not hearing from John on the banks of the Jordan. I think the first thing that's really important for us to remember and can be really reassuring is that when God has a plan, it will come to fruition. John the Baptist and Jesus were roughly the same age. And so presumably this has been a long time coming. But what began with God speaking to Elizabeth and Zechariah years before, where they didn't know the whole story, but they were willing to accept what God was saying and doing. To write through to the point where John is preparing the way for Jesus. It shows us the level of provision and security and trustful, trustworthiness that we can have in God. And if he's said something's going to happen, if he's prepared that, it's going to happen. And then the fairly obvious one, repent and be baptised. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. If somebody has been lowered into the water over there, if it was full, it might, you might hit your head at the moment. But It's not something magic that happens because you've been lowered into a baptistry or a paddling pool or the sea. It's a sign of what God is doing in your life. But that fruit must show. Repentance and baptism are two parts of the same thing. And that repentance, that changed life, that changed attitude needs to be genuine to the point where there is fruit that is showing what has happened in our hearts. But alongside that, God is a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. But he is a God of judgment. That's why we need to repent, why we need to get right with him. Another thing that I think it's worth us remembering is that wilderness that inhospitable place where it might be very hot, it might be very cold. There's not much growing. There's not much water. It's very dry. Many of us have times during our lives when it feels like we might be in that sort of situation. Tough, inhospitable climates, one way or another. And sometimes I've heard people talk about a wilderness um, and feeling very far from God. And I think that can be the case. I've definitely had those in my life. But I think we can take from this that we can be encouraged that we can very much hear from God if we're in a wilderness place. It might not be a comfortable place, but it might prove to be the perfect place to hear from God because there's a lot less distractions. There's a lack of stimulation if you haven't kind of got all the stuff that's going on around you. 
things perhaps are pared back and stripped back compared to how they would be if we were busy and in having lots of fun and doing lots of other stuff. And so perhaps, despite it not necessarily being the most comfortable thing, we might actually need to seek the wilderness at times in terms of lack of distractions, the place where it might actually be easier to hear from God. And through this, we get to see God's salvation through repentance, new life. So a question, have we repented and accepted Jesus as Lord of our life? It's a yes or no for most people. It's something to think about. it's a yes and you've not already been baptised perhaps you want to come and chat to one of us clergy if you want to make that kind of declaration, that statement to mark what God is doing in your heart and again for those who are already walking with Jesus sometimes we all stumble a bit but are we producing fruit in keeping with repentance because it's never too late if we realise that perhaps the fruit isn't quite what it could be, perhaps it's not quite ripe enough to be useful. It's never too late to get right with God again. And through all of that, we get to see the salvation of God, the saving love of God. It's a challenge that is just exciting and such a privilege to be challenged in that way. That we've got that offer to repent and be baptised. We've got that offer of relationship, living relationship with Jesus. Well, we don't have to rely on tradition. We go direct to Jesus. And we have that relationship with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So whether this doesn't quite make sense for you, whether you've got tons of questions, whether it's something that you decided to walk with Jesus years and years ago and you can't even really remember when, or somewhere in between, we're not trying to do this on our own. We've got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can walk this life with Jesus. So do find somebody to chat to if there's things that have been said that kind of you want to talk through or just ponder. But for now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are your loved children. Thank you that we know your mercy. Lord, if we need to... um, get right with you if perhaps the fruit in our life isn't quite what it could be would you gently show us what needs to change Lord would you show us your love and your grace and you would help would you help us to bear the fruit of you Lord we lift up to you things in our world 
we know so much of it isn't isn't as it should be whether that's where there's war where there's unrest where there's famine where there's people being affected by flooding and natural disaster where people are suffering as a consequence of lifestyle choices that another part of the world is making Would you help us to play our part? Would you help us to care for people and care for your planet? Lord, we know there's so much going on in our country and across the world. We pray for governments, for leaders, for all those who are dealing with a cost of living crisis, for those who are dealing with strikes, Lord, we lift up to you the NHS, education. We're struggling for resources and struggling to cope. And Lord, we pray for people who are working in those sectors, that you would give them rest and energy, hope and help. And Lord, we pray for your church. There are difficult decisions being made every day there. But we think this week of the Church of England with a synod. Lord, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit into that meeting. Lord, that you would keep your church in line with you. But Lord, that you would breathe your power and your life into all parts where people gather to worship you. And we think about things closer to home. We think about ourselves, those we love, those we work with or study with. Those who are facing difficulties at the moment, whether that's mourning or pain or illness, struggling with the cost of living or just struggling. Lord, would you bring your provision, your healing, your relief, your sustenance, your hope and your joy. And for those who are currently in a wilderness, would you draw them close to you and help them to hear your voice. Amen. Just before um, I hand over to the